Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the One Shop Movement Podcast, where it's interviews with incredible entrepreneurs that are making things happen. We dive deep into their stories of inspiration. We provide education, and today we're with the incredible Morello, Andrew Morello, who was the former winner of the very first season of the the show The Apprentice, and then went on and worked with Mark Boris, building the incredible business Yellow Brick Road. But a bit more about uh, Morello, he is an incredible entrepreneur, he's one of the original founders with Jack DeLosa with the entourage. He used to be a highly successful real estate agent that had uh, done over a million dollars in commissions in one year in real estate sales. He's an incredible auctioneer that auctioneers at many charitable events raising money. He's involved in many foundations. He is an inspiring leader and an incredible wisdom always pouring out of Morello. I've spent a lot of time with him over the years. I'd call him a good friend. We recently spent time together in Fiji and he said, I'd love to do an interview for the One Shop Movement podcast. It's an incredible cause. So let's uh, head over to the show. The One Shot Movement podcast is a podcast about inspiration, education, diving deep into the stories of entrepreneurs that are making it happen. And I guess for you, you are the epitome of an entrepreneur that's made it happen because you know you're an incredible real estate uh, um, or had an incredible career in the real estate industry. You then moved on and and won The Apprentice, which is an amazing show and highly popular show, and then went on with Mark Boris as the winner and took that business um, to what it is today and and then now back involved in another company that you were involved with, The Entourage. Yes. But you're also quite passionate about charity, and I know you're a lot heavily involved in charity and, and doing some amazing things in general. So... Let's just rewind a little bit and unpackage your story. There's a lot to rewind to. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, where where did it all start? Like, I know that you're, I guess, pre your career, you're an entrepreneur um, in Mooney Ponds with nightclubs or discos or whatever it is. And, yeah, just start there. Well, uh, so for those of you that are listening, thank you for listening and and, uh, taking the time out of your your day or your your night to listen to this podcast. Um, Craig, thanks very much for having me. for those of you who don't know me, my name's Andrew Morello. I'm the winner of the first Australian Apprentice and also the head of business development at uh, the, the Entourage with Jack DeLosa. Um, and I was one of the founding members with Jack and one of the first investors in the in the business as well. Um, I did start my career in the back streets of Mooney Ponds, as you know, uh, at my dad's service station when I was 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. Um, and I think what I learned at my dad's service station on the corner of Pascoville Road and Buckley Street, Mooney Ponds, um, down in Victoria there, those core principles in business uh, and philanthropy and giving back to the community I've tried to instill in every other business or every other opportunity I've had. Um, my passions now are certainly working with entrepreneurs such as yourself and and um, having a, a, a partner slash shareholding in the entourage and working very closely with Jack to build out our entourage movement. Um, but also, as you mentioned, my philanthropy work, which uh, I did the Kokoda Trail last year to raise money for Indigenous education. So on the board for Seed Foundation uh, and also uh, sit on the board for Project Gen Z where 
where we do work over in Cambodia, uh, running entrepreneurial programs for kids that come out of the Sunrise Village Orphanage program. So, yeah. I guess, um, you know, what you're doing is amazing. It's inspiring. And you were an original member of the Entourage. We're going to talk about that in this podcast episode, but go back to real estate and some of the lessons we were recently in Fiji and you're talking about the things that you were doing as a 19-year-old that most 19-year-olds wouldn't even think about doing, but the things that you were doing back then and how that set up your future and your opportunities and, and business as well. Yeah, I was very lucky to start my career at a place called Compton and Green uh, Real Estate in Williamstown when I was 18, um, under the beautiful guidance of uh, uh, one of my still mentors, Adrian Butero, who did the Kokoda Trail with me. Um, And interestingly enough, uh, Jack Ma, who was the founder of Alibaba, for those who are listening and may not know his story, he talks about being between 20 and 30 years old, it's not necessarily the company you work for, how much money you make, but rather surrounding yourself and working alongside somebody who's really going to change your life and um, Adrian Butera uh, allowed me to not only um, be um, innovative in you know in the real estate industry but also at the same time provide me the good base and good mentorship to become a great auctioneer and an award-winning auctioneer but also as well a great salesperson and um, it was probably those core principles that uh, he really fed into the way that I was going to live my life when it came to business was you know, the, the, the obviously the you know they sound simple, but the, the funny part is a lot of people don't do them. But the integrity and the honesty, um, often you know when you're in the real estate business or in in business in general, there's plenty of opportunities to do the wrong thing, um, and there's a lot of people that take that option. Um, but uh, Adrian always taught me just always going with that honesty and integrity. And you might not win the business 100% of the time, but at least you can go to bed at night and you can sleep. And and often if you've lost the business, a lot of people will come back to you at a later point as well. Uh, probably the other cu- core couple of principles I had as well was always give people a, and what is now become synonymous with a lot of what I do, what I did with the nightclub and, and, and events business, what I did with real estate and now what I've done with uh, financial services, property and, and entrepreneurialism is providing a, that world-class Morello experience. So always trying to find a way to just go above and beyond to give people that world-class experience. Yeah, and look, I mean, 100% what you're doing, like, I know you quite well, and we've got common friends, and I always say to you, the the two best networkers that I know is yourself and Matthew Pilios, who's also been a guest on this show, but ironically... Matty, if if you're watching, (laughs) mate, you're always bloody going to mention they are, mate, there we go. But, you know, in in all seriousness, Mm. like, you guys also grew up together like we did. You know, there must have been something in the water in yeah, Moody Bonds. It's quite amazing. But you were thriving in real estate. You yes. were like really hitting your straps yep. and you sort of got to a, an opportunity that I don't know if it come out of nothing, but the opportunity to go on to a new show in Australia, the yep. The Apprentice, which yes. you ended up winning. Yes. I'd love to hear a bit about a um how it happened? On yeah, yeah, how yeah. it happened? Getting on the show and actually the experience on the show because I yeah. remember watching the show and I used to 
nearly put myself into your sh- uh, shoes, shoes all the time yeah, and yeah. actually go, how would I deal with this situation? Yeah. The, the irony is, and he should probably get a mention as well, he's actually just joined our, our family business, which is Jealous Craig Real Estate down in Melbourne. Uh, that's Maddie's competitor, if Maddie's listening, Marshall White. But, um, <laughs> um, but uh, Spiro Vassiliadis actually um, you know, did part of the nomination for me and sent me his nomination, uh, sent me the, the forms and everything, and he's like, should try out this apprentice. And there's a lesson in this. It's a sliding door moment, obviously, um, Chalty, that the reality is is that if, you know, when, when Spirit sent it to me, I reckon I'd love to find that email somewhere because I reckon I've got that email still somewhere where I wrote back to him, mate, I don't have time for this rubbish. I was a million-dollar writer in real estate in, in gross commission, so I was doing, you know, 72 transactions, 72 listings, 115 transactions a year, so I was busy. And at um, age? Age 22, 23, wow. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was... I was busy and I said to Spirit, oh, I don't have time for this rubbish and he's like, nah mate, you know, there's this one with Donald Trump, I know you like Donald, back then I liked Donald Trump, but he's like, I know you like Donald Trump and I'd read Donald Trump's books and obviously he'd had, a, um, you know, done well in, in property and, you know, that was something I was very passionate about and um, Spirit goes, no, you've you got to try out for this thing. And I wasn't going to go. And even the morning of, of my my audition, effectively, that was at the Rendezvous Hotel in uh, in uh, uh, Flinders Street in Melbourne, I had gotten called to like a $1.8 million listing in Essendon, in Woolley Street, Essendon. And I thought, down in Victoria, and I thought, oh, you know what? I'm just going to not rock up. And um, I don't know specifically what it was, but I went. It was a six-stage process. They had... I think roughly about 10,000 people try out. I made sort of the top 100 in, in Victoria, then the top 100 in Australia, and before you knew it, I was on the top 12 for the show. Um, and then off the back of that, uh, people always ask me, I do a lot of speaking, as you know, in the corporate industry now, so corporate speaking, I'm speaking for Sanchuro in a couple of weeks, I just spoke for a couple of the big four banks, I'm speaking, um, uh, you know, for the entourage over the next couple of days, and they always say to me, you know, why, how did you beat everyone? Like, that's that, that that's the world that we live in, we think it's about how did you beat everyone? And the reality was that I didn't go in to beat any anybody else, I went in to beat myself, and I went in um, to be the best possible Morello possible and if people liked that they did if they didn't then so be it and a lot of people went reality TV I know some some people that are on you know it's a different kind of reality TV that are on maths right now and they're going through a few dramas and I I warned um, these particular friends of mine female friends of mine that you know reality TV is a harsh world like they got to make good television right Mm -hmm. so um, but my theory was when people warned me of that was that if Morello just stayed himself all the time Mm -hmm. and was his true and authentic self, then nobody could ever um, uh, call me out on it. You know, the reality is I um, was always just honest with who I was. And the thing is, when you film for 10 weeks straight, 24 hours a day, um, and you're living in a house with with, with 12 other strangers plus a, a production crew in in, in 14 Bunya Parade in, in uh, South Coogee, this beautiful mansion that John Singleton owned, that's where they filmed it, you... you you can only bullshit for so long. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but yeah, I just did. Right. So right. you can only bullshit for so long that if you pretend to be someone you're not, and it's a, it's a lesson in life, isn't it? If you pretend to be someone you're not, eventually at some point somebody's going to work it out. And uh, Mark Burris isn't the kind of guy uh, that you bullshit pretty pretty quickly. He's pretty pretty onto it pretty quickly. And uh, and Mark and I hit it off immediately. And he told my parents that he picked me after sort of week one, week two. Um, and he's told he told me that he'd pick me sort of after week three. Week 
week four. I think just so he didn't give me too much of a big head. But he uh, he's been a great mentor, a great role model, and um, and a second father. And, and while we're just on that show, before we move on, yeah. like an environment like that and those boardroom sessions at mm. the end is just beyond pressure. And you know, it, it's like dog eat dog in a way. They like, they go for about sixteen hours. People don't realize on the show they go for about four or five minutes. Right. Um, but what they do is they they get you up at four or five in the morning, get you to the studio. So those are done. It looks like in in the Yellow Brick Road boardrooms, but they they they're modelled. The boardrooms modelled off um, off the Yellow Brick Road boardroom. It's in a studio at Fox Studios, and they 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 fill you full of sugar. <laughs> the producer's job is to tell Mark stuff to, to, to try and, you know, get someone to lose their shit. Um, they put you in, separate you, so you're in different rooms, so you, you can't collude and get your story straight. And then they just bring you back in the room and they mic you up and they, they go hard at it. So th- those are probably, if someone said to me what was the hardest part of it, it would have been the boardroom sessions. But once again... I always back to the decision I made. Um, I was project manager, so the leader of the winning team, um, the leader of the team four times, and all four times we won. Um, No, three times we won. I lost one time. No, four times I was project manager and won. One time we lost and I was not project manager and I got called in. Um, And, uh, you know, that was... It was a stressful but at the same time enlightening experience, you know. Putting yourself in that in that in that um, scenario really forces you to, to look at yourself and to be true to your core values of honesty, integrity and hard work and believing what you who you are and what you're trying to achieve. And um, and it, it worked out. And, and on that note, like Mark Boris for the international guests is probably one of Australia's biggest entrepreneurs yes. and business leaders. You ended up landing a job with him. Yes. And just talk through that experience because you yep. effectively launched a new business, Yellow Brick Road at we the did. time. Yep. And uh, become this incredible success story. Yeah, we grew it to 135 offices. Uh, we listed it on the stock exchange. Um uh, Mark's an amazing business leader like that. Um, it, it, it's become in recent years much more difficult under, for those who, I know you do have quite an international following, so for those who are from overseas, Australia went through a thing called the Banking Royal Commission, which definitely affected the second and third tier market, which we play a lot in, um, in the Yellow Brick Road space, but Mark didn't give me a chance to be a, you know, sort of effectively a seed investor in the company, um, so I was rewarded um, not only financially but also um, with with the learnings that Mark gave us, like it was just being around someone of that caliber. You know, early early sixties um, was business partners with Kerry Packard, which was probably Australia's first billionaire. If, if, I, if I look at history correctly, um, you know, he was fifty fifty partners with him in a previous business called Wizard Home Loan. So you know, I got a chance, and I'm sure in twenty years' time, people will talk about Mark like they talk about Kerry Packard. Uh, they already do a lot of people, but you know, I'm sure in twenty years' time that. Will become the norm, and um, and I'll be able to say that I did you know ten years by his side. Uh, still very good friends, still very good, much my mentor. Still consult, still back to Yellowbrick Road, um, but wanted to really ramp up my entrepreneurial activities with the entourage and, and Jack Delosa, who's a, another amazing businessman. Yeah, and and while we talk about that, the entourage, um, you were one of the original entourage people. Then yep. you took effectively a ten year gap out, like if. We we're talking about yeah. that, but now you've come back involved. Do you want to talk about original vision with the Entourage yes. and Jack? Yep. And why you come back? Yeah, so the Entourage, uh, 
um, for those of you who have followed the entourage journey, but also followed the um, you know Jack's story, the entourage started ironically at two nine one Racecourse Road in Kensington in Melbourne. So we used to run a, a Melbourne um, group, and we used to run a Sydney group that was running the boardroom at the Yellow Brick Road offices. So going back ten years ago on April first, ten years ago. So um, it's been, it was a long time, and uh, you know I saw a lot of qualities in in Jack Delos. We were introduced by a mutual friend from Essendon um, down in Melbourne. Both Jack and I are originally from Melbourne. We had both just moved to Sydney and we were introduced by a mutual friend that felt that Jack and I were very, very similar, but also very, very complimentary. And um, and to this day, I still, I still see that. You know, we went out for Jack's birthday last week in uh, in in Sydney, and you know, we you know obviously had a couple of beautiful French wines. And by the end of it, we're telling stories about the old days and getting very nostalgic. And and um, Jack really has this amazing ability to uh, to really focus, and he has this amazing ability to really um, you know obsess over the 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 detail and the beauty of what is the entourage and I feel that my contribution and, and that complementary skill set is that I try and be as much of the uh, you know the, the the romance and that you know the heart of the entourage and I think that that blend between the two of us has just worked really really well and I'm sure if you ask Jack he'll he'll, he'll say the same yeah and, and like you started off as just a really a vision and yep. now today the entourage is you know explain where the entourage is today because this is the this is our office we have yes yeah. this is our beautiful office so I apologise the view for those who were watching <laughs> on the Facebook lives and those who were watching on the recorder those who are listening uh, we are in the uh, Rabobank building on level 5 overlooking the beautiful um, circular key Darling no, Harbour. Darling Harbour. There we go. I'm from Melbourne, guys. Don't blame me. Um, <laughs> so um, it's uh, look. It was just a vision. We didn't think it would ever be as big as it is today. And now we've probably got members um, throughout our. We've got a on-demand program, an accelerate program, and an elevate program, which which um, um, Craig's a part of. And we've also got now an on-demand a, a, a advisory part of the business too, which I'm overseeing. And you, between all that, we've got about a thousand active members. We've had about 400 plus thousand people attend an event, be a past member, um, attend a webinar, come to a workshop. So over the last 10 years, we've literally touched about 400,000 people and we've, we've now got members in, including our online members and our face-to-face members and clients. Uh, we, we're touching about 11 countries now. So mm-hmm. we will you'll see some exciting things. Shorty, you'll be front row for it. So some exciting things over the next um, 12 to 24 months where Jack and I will look to expand the business uh, internationally uh, now that we're getting such a, a quite a following there and it probably might fit in well, especially with your following too. So um, we're very, very excited to sort of maximise and leverage that um, exposure. But at the same time, we want to do it correctly and we want to make sure that we're providing a, a world-class experience every single time, whether that's somebody logging onto a, a $99 um, online webinar or whether that's someone that's uh, obviously in our premium model, which yourself are in, and, um, and getting the full experience, including our retreats and our sort of advisory service and things of that nature. And... and- like you are, I guess, are really important about business development and yep. helping people grow in the business as well. And, and I would call you clearly a master networker, but what are some of the other 
business skills that you would say has held you in good stead? You're a great presenter on stage. You're yep. good at sales. Like, what would you say for someone that's trying to grow their business are essential skills to learn? Yeah, that's a great question. Great question. No, I don't even feel like anyone's really even asked me that because I think they see me such as the sales guy or the networker, but I think empathy is a great thing, like an important part. Like, um, if people said to me, what are some of probably the core principles that have gotten me to where I am, is one, um, having empathy not only for um, our clientele, um, and we, we do that every day with the entourage members and we did with, you know, I did with the Yellow Brick Road franchisees and Yellow Brick Road customers uh, in the finance world and in the property world. But having empathy for the people that work within your business. Um, we uh, we do an internal happiness score, which is all confidential and anonymous um, within our team and, and we sort of score always 85, 90% plus for people being happy working working here um, at the entourage. Uh, but they're having that empathy and that people management um, is, is massively important. Um, the second thing probably is the resilience. You know, um, you, you, you've been around long enough to know that we, we did go through some tough times. Um, we should have, we got advised by multiple legal counsel that we should have just wrapped up shop and, and limited our liabilities. But, um, you know, Jack and myself and, and some of the other um, key investors and um, and key people went. No, we're gonna we're gonna work through this. We we made some changes in the business where we went into the um, RTO space, the registered training organisation space, and we tried to leverage off governmental um, funding. Um, and then by the you know the good news and bad news. By the time we did it, we actually realised they pulled the funding, which caused us cost us millions of dollars. But it was actually a good thing that it took us so long to get done because we hadn't predicated the whole. Um, success of our business based on, on government funding, which was a good thing. So we went back to our original model, which was non-government funded, non-accredited education, which has just boomed for us again as, and probably where the, you know, not being arrogant or hubris, the best in Australia, probably one of the best in Australasia and one of the best in the world now in that delivery of that. Um, but, you know, the resilience was a massive thing. So, you know, that empathy, that resilience, and probably the last one that I, I always talk to people about is um, having the ability to really understand what it is that is your product to market fit. Um, that's something I've always been very good at understanding what people actually need. And once you understand what people need, you don't necessarily need to be Andrew Morello or Peter Lakovic or um, Jack Delosa to be a good salesman or salesperson. You need to just be very good at, at, at listening. And um, I know it's odd and ironic because I do do a lot of talking, but <laughs> it's amazing. I do a lot of, I might do a lot of talking talking but my the, the listening I do do is active listening and I absorb a lot of people's stories I absorb a lot of what's important to them I understand what it is that's going to be a forward motivator for them and I and I don't abuse it but I do identify it and then I try and help them identify how we're going to help them go to the next level to reach their full potential and not waste their precious life and, and I know and I, I've had a lot of people in property on this episode or on this series because you know we've had uh, brokers we've had you know buying partners of real estate and you're a property guy what yes. would you say to people that are looking at building wealth and property and if someone has fear around having debt yes. on property what would yep. you say about property as a wealth creation strategy yeah great great question something i'm very passionate about um i think if you still type in 
you, on Google Morello Matrix, you will get um, the Yellow Brick Road still use it as a, a bit of a lead magnet. They will send you out my um, my ebook that I wrote while I was um, still full time at Yellow Brick Road. So feel free to download that, guys, and that, that covers people from first home buyers to first. Um, first-time property investors to, to, to multi-property landlords. Um, I am a multi-property landlord. I own a number of properties, um, and uh, I'm, I'm a customer and a client of, of our family business. I, I pay fees to you know my brother's business to manage that for me. Um, property has, has put my family in good stead. I'll tell you now, my, my father or my family have never helped me acquire any of the properties that I've acquired. My father is a Sicilian man, came off the boat in 1956 from Italy with one shoe and an empty suitcase and he has this old school mentality that you need to do it on your own um, so which is fine you know obviously as a young boy I resented him slightly for it but now um, I'm very grateful for it and probably the biggest thing around property um, is that more is lost with indecision than wrong decision so like I say to people you know if you've got it you know a lot of people going to me oh, I, was, I was waiting for this particular property or particular area or should I buy or I want to leave or should I buy an investment property I just just buy just yeah. buy, you know, and, um, you know, I am a big believer, buy the home that you live in initially. Um, you know, there's a, a gentleman who I'm good friends with, Chris Gray, who talks about, you know, renting the one you live in and then buying investment properties. It's because he likes to live in $20 million houses and you can rent those <laughs> for a, a lot less than um, than you can pay interest on. So if your interest repayment's half a million dollars, you can rent one of those, you know, 10, 15, $20 million houses in Vaucluse or in Potts Point for, you know, a couple of hundred grand. Someone who owns it, Calibre, a home like that and he's renting it owns it out right I can assure you that they're not looking for for yield um, but yeah family's been in property since 1956 uh, I bought my first property at 18 in Mooney Ponds uh, and I just bought another one last year so you know so I continue to grow the portfolio got um, effectively eight properties now uh, and uh, they're all in in key areas that are that are continuing to grow in capital growth um, I'm not a yield buyer I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a yield strategy um, but you know my recommendation to people is just immerse yourself in education, understand what's the difference between capital growth and yield, and I think once you can understand that a little bit better, then you can make a better decision. But but make a decision. Don't wait another 24 months and think, oh, interest rates are going to get lower or the property prices are going to drop. I think, you know, the reality is if you'd bought two years ago, you would have already made money already. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, and like a lot of people are scared to take the plunge just through straight out uh, the fear of debt. Yes, uh, that's sorry, I didn't. I didn't address that. Yeah, yes, I was very, very lucky, Ashulti, that my father um, taught me at a very young age to be comfortable with debt. Um, he. He, when, we, when our father was having a good day, a good month in in the service station, well, he had BPs and Caltexes um, and Amicos, for anyone old enough to remember Amicos, um, he... We knew when our family was having a good month and a bad month. And I think, look, I'm not a... I'm not a I got six goddaughters and uh, a, a godson and I, and I've been around children my whole life. I've got two nieces as well. I'm not a father specifically myself just yet, but I do mentor a lot of kids and I'm in the youth, I do work in the youth space. Um, you know, the biggest thing I can recommend to parents is don't, don't 
coddle them. Don't hide them from the truth when, when the family is having a good month or a bad month. Like, don't just let them see the trips overseas or the trips to, to Queensland, to movie world, and think everything's all fine and dandy. Mm. My father, we worked in the family business from a young age. We knew when things were good. You knew when things weren't good because it was quiet in the in the workshop and on the on the on the driveway. Um, and our father taught us very, at a very young age the power of a thing called leverage and understanding that yes, you got to put yourself through a bit of drama and stress to pay these mortgages off. But if you do that now in the short term, it should pay dividends in the long term. And the reality is, I'm not worth squillions to a point where I could go and buy myself a twenty million dollar yacht, but. At 33 years old, I could very easily sell down my portfolio now and my business interests in my shares in my different companies and live a comfortable life for the mm. next 70 or 80 years. Mm. I could. So um, the reality of by investing it correctly, selling it down and putting it into, a, into an investment portfolio, some sort, I could do that. Now, I'm not saying that, that doesn't mean me driving around in, in not that I'd ever do that. You know that I'd, I'd, I don't even own a car. But, you know, it's not living an expensive or driving expensive cars or anything, but that would be a comfortable life for the rest of my life mm. and I can attribute that by making those um, decisions to buy into property at, at 18 years old. Yeah. yeah. And, and I guess uh, we've been talking about some areas that you've been actively involved in. Do you want to just share with us a bit about your passion for charity and you're yeah. doing a lot of auctions and you're, you're really connecting to a lot of different organisations yes. and, and just giving back. Why yep. do you do that and um, yeah, just share a bit about that. Well, the irony is in the video, I know people listening to this on the podcast as well, but in the video that we're filming just behind us is the ICC. I'll actually be doing the Arnott's Foundation Ball this Friday night with um, Camp Quality. Um, so Arnott's is the number one uh, uh Donor to uh, to camp quality for kids with cancer and and running um, camps for their for their families um, and I'll be doing that Friday night with Katrina Roundtree from Getaway. Um, they'll have some other celebrities there. So Neil Perry, the chef, will be there. Um, um, uh, 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 Moran from Aria will be there as well and um, I get an opportunity to, to co-host and present and call the charity auction for a number of different events. Um, the two that I'm in particular uh, very very passionate about obviously is the work I do with Geraldine Cox, Order of Australia medal winner over in Cambodia. I go there every year if anyone wants to check that out. It's at uh, Project Gen Z on Instagram if you want to check that out. My Instagram's at Andrew Morello. You can uh, follow me and, and see the, the different uh, philanthropic works that I get involved with there. Um, and then the other thing I've become very passionate about is working with the uh, Indigenous community of Australia, um, trying to give back to those remote communities, uh, and we're doing that in the in the health education space. So they're probably my... And we've, we've raised $2.5 million plus in uh, in that work, and it's something I'm very, very passionate about, making sure we can continue to do. Yeah, And it's easy to not go into that space, but what was the real drivers for you to go into really giving back like you do? Yeah. Um, look, I did a lot of work around my spiritualism, as, as, you, as you know personally, but but for those who don't for those of you who don't know me that well, I've done a lot of work in the in the spiritual growth space, um, and in the spiritual growth space, I've done work with um, Deepak Chopra, I've uh, I've done Unleash the Power Within with Tony Robbins, I've done uh, Date with Destiny, I've probably spent probably half a million dollars on personal and self-development over the last... Um, you know, we're talking the last 
15 years, if not probably some more actually in 15 years, then I think about it considering all the business coaches I've had and the, you know, I, I see a high performance psychologist and things of that, that nature that works with NRL and AFL footballers and so forth. And the reality is um, that, uh, you know, for me, one of the biggest spiritual learnings I got was that um, the law of reciprocation and the fact that, um, you know, I was very, very blessed. My, both of my mum and dad had difficult, difficult childhoods. I didn't have a difficult childhood, which, which we spoke about at lunch. I didn't have a difficult childhood, but I've really come from a family where my father was, you need to be the captain of your own fate, the master of your own destiny. And um, that law of reciprocation, giving back to the world, was something that was really, really important to me, something that um, I started when I was 15 years old. At Saint, I was the vice captain of St. Bernard's in Essendon, down in Melbourne, my brother was school captain, my sister was school captain in Ave Maria. And what I realised is that they got us doing work with St. Vincent's de Paul. And whether you're religious or not, you know, you can do it from non-denominational point of view. I do work with Jewish Care Australia, which is a Jewish charity that supports non-Jewish people within the uh, within the Sydney suburbs. Um, and I'm not Jewish. I just got involved in it because I believed in what they were doing. Um, and I think it, it basically just grew and grew and grew. And then it got to the point where I realised I was really good at it you know mm. like I've made jokes before about packing up shop in the business world and going to live with Geraldine who's in her 70s now uh, in the orphanage in Kandal in, in Cambodia in just out, an hour out of Phnom Penh and you know she she would love for me to do that we have a very close relationship you'll see through my social media that I, I catch up with her monthly or bi-monthly whenever she's in Australia and and she um, and I catch up with her a couple of times a year in Cambodia she would love that but she said Morello your, your number one asset is the 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 capability you have of asking someone to donate twenty thousand dollars and they will because you've helped so many people make so much money that they're like okay you know what great yeah twenty grand no worries let's do that and um, I think that's that's where that's where I see it I've got an amazing ability to get people to part with their money for great causes um, it's my contribution I, I part with a lot of my own money for those causes as well but I don't do it for any recognition I do it because I believe in those uh, in in the people that we're willing to help. And just at the end of every podcast, always ask some rapid-fire questions. Right. So if you're a book reader or a podcast listener yep. to, what would you say a book that an audience could get massive value out of or yep. something that you absolutely love? So I'm a book and documentary guy. So I know I'm on a podcast now, mate, so I've listened <laughs> to your podcast, but I'm a book and documentary guy. So a couple of couple of things worth, uh, a couple of books worth reading, a couple of documentaries worth watching. Um, uh, books, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, uh, an amazing book, definitely worth reading. You don't, have to be, you don't Have to Be Born Brilliant by John McGrath, who's one of my close men tours with alongside Jerry Harvey and Mark Burris and so forth. Um, so you don't have to be born brilliant by John McGrath. Um, the 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 Seven Spiritual Laws by Deepak Chopra, another amazing book and an easy read. If you're into something a little bit deeper, it took me two or three reads to get it really absorbed, but The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle uh, is a classic and a good one. Um, obviously, you should read Jack Jack's books as well, you know, and also Mark Burris's books. There's a, there's a lot of benefit in reading those. Um, and then when it comes to documentaries, I try and balance myself out between history, um, business, uh, philanthropy and also um, and spirituality and uh, a really really good documentary is 
um, that's, that's worth watching that's out right now on Netflix is Inside Bill's Brain. It's um, a really good balance between philanthropy, uh, world vision, and um, and uh, and business. Uh, it's about Bill Gates. It's a three-part series where um, he delves into the the detail of what um, his vision is for a better world, and that and you know the money that himself and Warren Buffett and his wife um, and the and then their respective wives and partners have donated to trying to change real things that can actually have lasting change, not just you know giving a fish out, but rather teaching people how to fish and providing a better better life for them. Um, there's a great online program uh, called School of Life, which is on YouTube, which people should subscribe to. There's sort of seven to 12 minute clips that I listen to in the morning. Often I've got to catch a 5.30 flight or six o'clock flight somewhere. So uh, about a hundred plus flights a year. So I'll, I'll put it on at four o'clock in the morning while I'm getting ready and just listen and, and so forth. And what happens is, is often um, that gives me an opportunity to learn. So it's called School of Life and it's all different categories, all different ideas. And, you know, the meaning to life is the people we meet and what we create with them but importantly um, you know having that knowledge gets me to have to know a lot about a little and a little about a lot and off the back of that it's given me the chance to be able to um, to actually uh, educate other people and, and become more enlightened all right and two two lasting questions one yep. was what's the best bit of advice it could be from your dad it could be from your first mentor it could be yep. from Mark Burris what's the best bit of advice and worst bit of advice yeah so Mark Burris a great piece of advice he gave me was play to your strengths and work on your weaknesses you know he used to get me to do legal documents that would take me four hours um, but uh, often what would happen was uh, I was terrible at, at, at legal work um, but Mark would get me to do it to learn so you know that that's, that was a that was a, a great learning, uh, and the worst piece of advice. Um, look, I'm pretty I'm pretty careful on who I take advice from, but I, I think you know. It's when you're young, and I think when you're young, people often just be careful if you are young or you are impressionable, um, taking advice from people that haven't got the experience. So it's not necessarily bad advice, but probably people are very quick to give you opinions, but unless they've gone through the experience, just be vigilant of the advice they give you. And the last question is you've inspired people all around the world, and I've heard you speak on stage a number of times and always get a lot of energy out of what you often talk about. If you're someone that's looking to get ahead in life like they're taking their one shot like what would you say to inspire them like give them a piece of wisdom that might be the difference between them sitting in camp and taking the plunge yeah yeah definitely um i go back to again read the property model which is more is lost with indecision than wrong decision but everybody should try their thorough you know their absolute best to reach their full potential and not waste their precious life and the only way you can do that is by truly stepping outside your comfort zone to reach your full potential Wow, that's uh, very good advice. And look, this uh, podcast is all about inspiring people, educating people, and diving deep into stories. And you know, you've been through amazing journey to date. Right. Um, you've hit uh, TV show, mainstream TV. You've helped uh, one of Australia's leading entrepreneurs build a business. You're doing it again with a second incredible entrepreneur, Jack Delosa. Real estate. You've had not what I would call a colourful career, but like just a really, you know, I guess you're really going out out, yeah. out of the way and, and following your advice that you just gave there. So I want to thank Andrew Morello for thank jumping on the podcast and uh, hope you enjoy this week's episode. Thanks very much. Thanks, Craig. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Yes. Thank you. Wow, what an incredible session talking to Morello 
Andrew Morello. What a, a life that he's lived to date and he's out there living with passion and purpose. As you can see, he's thrown himself into absolutely every opportunity where he was a highly successful real estate agent who had written over a million dollars in commissions in his early 20s. He then went on to win the very first season of The Apprentice, winning a job with one of Australia's leading entrepreneurs, Mark Boris, and helped him for 10 years build Yellow Brick Road. He's now back at the Entourage, which he was a, a part of the original squad there with Jack DeLosa, now working on business development and building the brand, the Entourage. He has absolutely lived life with passion and purpose. He's full of inspiration and education. There's so much to learn, so much to unpackage from this episode. And I'm really uh, proud to call Morello a friend and we spent a lot of time to together more so over the last 12 months and traveled together recently to Fiji which is where he said he'd love to jump on to give me a good interview for the podcast of One Shot Movement. If you like the episode make sure that you share this. We want to get this message out there to the world so just make sure that you show uh, the episode, share it on your post, write feedback for us so we get some good feedback good reviews because that's important for our show as i always say to people you got one shot at life go out there and give it your best shot my name's craig schultz i'm the host of the one shot movement podcast